Sound of History podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not giving. Yes, it is. No, dude, no, <laughs> no. We have to do this whole intro again because you're not going to open up this podcast with me badly singing "Circle of Life." Yes, I am. No, <laughs> no it's not even. It's not even country themed. Oh well. God, you're the worst. My name's Nick, <laughs> and I'm disgraced. That's Mika. She hasn't given her real name in the past like four episodes. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> you were Melissa at one point. Was I? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I hope she's doing well. <laughs> and this is a music history podcast where I attempt to teach music history to Mika, who knows very little about it. I'm learning. Yeah, that's the point. We're 23 episodes in. I hope you would learn something by now. Very few things. That's fair. Okay, well, Mika's the host now. Mika is the host now. Do you just want to use your time to finish singing Circle of Life? No, I finished. That's why we oh, did the okay. boom. <laughs> That's how it ends. Okay. I was unaware that Circle of Life was 48 seconds long. Well, we cut out. We had already performed the first half okay. of it, where we just do the... We already had done that for like the past 10 Sounds minutes. Sounds like you were trying to mimic like 90s rap <laughs> Circle of Life. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the version that plays while the the credits run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mika's the host now. What Mika you got? Mika is the host now. Um, I'd like to start out my time to ask oh you no. if you ever posted the gif of Chris Traeger going <laughs> on the banjo. Here's the thing. No, but You're also fired. also, I never even posted an episode announcement. So. <laughs> I just didn't post anything I'm about the last episode. Really disappointed in you. Well, then you can log on Twitter and you can do it. We both know I don't know <laughs> how to use Twitter. <laughs> I just don't want to, so I have been very inactive. But hey, follow us on social media. No. Twitter.com <laughs> slash sound of history underscore. <laughs> Shame on you, you're fired. You're a horrible social media director. Okay. I'll be fine being fired. That means you have to either hire someone to do it or take over it yourself. I'm gonna hire Ajax. That's going to be worse than me. There will be more cats on Twitter. Anyway, I have one plug. It's this water bottle. Oh, no. Why? (laughs) Of all the things that I've plugged. I just think it's going to be funny hearing you try and describe it to people. It's cylindrical. I got it off Amazon. Its brand is IZD. It has a really thick straw, so you can get lots of water in a gulp, which is awesome. And it's got... Eight multicolored, well, each of them is a different color. Eight colored bands, rubber bands, that you pull down into their little notches. You pull one band down every whole glass of water that you drink. And so you end up drinking eight of these glasses of water. 
and you can keep track of it with colors, which makes me feel like I am in early elementary school, but it's very effective. I have overall been drinking more water since I have the reward of making colors. my water bottle more colorful and beautiful. So, I don't know. It was like 10 bucks. Okay. IZD. And, and it helped me drink more water. And it's pretty. Okay. It's got a nice thick straw. <laughs> nice and thick. Mika no longer the host now? I yield my time. Okay. Mika's no longer the host now. So since we've not been very active on social media, follow us on like Spotify and iTunes and all that. That way you know when our episodes are published. Oh, yeah. We're better and at that. leave us reviews and comments and all of that fun stuff. Tell me how to be less annoying. Exactly. And me too. Nah. Okay. So last week we talked about the birth of country music. So what's your little recap on the birth of country music? <laughs> I literally don't remember. I remember the blues. I remember the Carter. That Taylor. was so long ago. The blues? Yeah. It was pre-jazz, and we were in jazz for like two months. What did we talk about then? Bluegrass? Nope. <laughs> Folk. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember anything. <laughs> Do you remember the Bristol sessions? Yeah. I remember that they had it in like a warehouse. A hat warehouse. Yes. Or a manufacturer or something like that. It was called the hat building. So. Yeah. That it, that's it? That's, all, that's your only takeaway from the birth of country music? Was that they recorded in a hat building? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we talked about Ralph Peer, who worked for Victor at the time, and he went down and he recorded musicians in the Appalachian region, and then that became country music. And we talked about the Carter family a little bit, though they were folk. I like them. Talked a little bit about Fiddlin' John Carson. We talked about Gad and his skillet liquors. Yeah, that. Gad Tanner and his skillet liquors. God. <laughs> so today, we're going to talk... About, well, I had another question in here if you remember any of the oh. people that we talked about, but we kind of already went over that. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. So this week, we're talking about one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name, besides the Carter family in early country music. We mentioned him last week, but we're telling his whole story this week. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you know who Jimmy Carter is? Is he a president? Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about Jimmy Rogers. So you were oh close. Oh my God, I was so close. Jimmy is spelled differently, but you were still close. How is there another way to spell Jimmy? Is it spelled with a freaking G? No, this one is spelled with an I-E instead of a Y. J-I-M-I-E. J-I-M-M-I-E. So like Kimmy, but with a J. Kimmy is K-I-M-M-Y though. Not all of them. The important ones. <laughs> okay, well I guess this is an unimportant Jimmy that we're basing a whole episode around. Yep. Jimmy was known, and is still known, as the father of country music and was known for his distinct yodeling style of singing. Oh, okay. <laughs> you excited? So excited. He gained popularity thanks to recordings rather than live performances, which was kind of the opposite of the way it normally happened back then for these like country music stars. 
Everyone from Bob Dylan to Merle Haggard to Gene Autry have done tributes to Jimmy over the years. It's really impossible to overstate his influence on country music. He also influenced rock and roll, bluegrass, and blues, but we're talking about country, so that's what we're going to focus on. But what if I want to know about the other stuff? Well, too bad. You can look it up on your own. I don't want to. I want you to do all of the hard work. And, I'm and then just you fire me here. when I don't do enough. Yes. So Mika is permanently the host. Heck yeah. We're just going to start our own podcast network and give you your own show. Just put you like in a closet with a microphone and just have Mika as the host now for like 30 minutes of you just rambling. Oh, goodness. I feel <laughs> like that would be a mess and a lot of HIPAA would be broken. <laughs> I would be very sad when it like instantly starts beating this podcast. <laughs> Hundreds of downloads an episode. Listen to the crazy ramblings of a girl who doesn't leave her home <laughs> except for to go to a very stressful job. <laughs> she talks to her cats. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Okay. So James Charles Rogers was born in Meridian, Mississippi in 1897. He was the youngest of three sons, and his mother passed away when he was four years old of tuberculosis. Stupid teenager. So Jimmy went to live with some relatives for a bit. I'm not sure why his father didn't keep the kids, but maybe he couldn't afford it, or maybe he wasn't around much since he worked as a maintenance foreman on some railroads. So maybe he was just traveling for work too much. He was much. off on the railroads. Besides, yeah. they needed a mother's touch. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't know what relatives they lived with, so maybe they didn't live with a woman. I'm sure that there was a woman oh, in the probably. home. Regardless, Jimmy lived with relatives until his dad remarried and, the bro- and him and his brothers moved back in with their father and new stepmother back in Meridian. Told you he needs a woman's touch. So a lot of Jimmy's young life was spent on the railroads with his dad as he traveled for his job. Was he working on the railroad? Yes, he was. All the live long day? Yep. Just past the time away? Mm-hmm. Well, he'd probably rather be doing other stuff to pass the time away. Apparently, some of his earliest friends were the African Americans who also worked on the railroads. So he would spend a lot of time hanging out with them and listening to them play their folk and blues songs. This sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. It is said that he took what he heard and developed his own musical style out of it in later life. Sort of like a white man's blues is what it was called. From very early on, Jimmy showed an interest in entertaining and performing. By the age of 13, he had twice tried to start a traveling variety show. Every 13-year-old tries (laughs) to do that. I I hate to break it to him, but he's not special. He's not unique. Yeah, when I was like 10, I put on so many musicals for my family but he actually traveled it you know you said he tried yes but both times he was pulled back by his father before they went too far but they still went some places that's awesome for the first one he stole his sister-in-law's bed sheets to make a tent for the show that's amazing but by the time he was forced back home he was able to repay her for the sheets with the money he had earned from the variety show good for him look at that entrepreneur The second time, Jimmy charged a canvas tent to his dad's account without his father knowing about it. The first time went pretty well, so I mean, I I can't. I don't know if he was able to repay that one, but because, but probably because of that, Jimmy's dad got him a job as a water boy on the railroads at the age of fourteen. Basically, he just carried water to the workers while they worked. During lunch breaks, the workers taught him how to play the banjo and the guitar. Just a little water boy out on the railroads at fourteen. 
Over the next 14 years, Jimmy worked the railroad and had a variety of different jobs. He worked as a brakeman, flagman, and baggage master, which is a great name for a job. I really want a breakdown of what that um, job description was. The baggage master? All of them. I don't know any. Well, brakeman probably just worked the brakes, I'm guessing. Why do you need a separate job for that? This was probably back before, like, electric trains, so they had actually, like, apply brakes and stuff. I don't know. I don't. Maybe he was repairing brakes. I have no idea. This isn't a railroad podcast. Why not? Anyway, he was on the trains all over the South, but primarily worked the line between New Orleans and Meridian, Mississippi. Really, there wasn't a better place to be at that time for someone developing musical talent. He got to travel to all of these cities where the blues, jazz, and folk was all blossoming. Jimmy was able to take in all of these styles as he was developing his own play style and honing his skill. In 1920, Jimmy married his second wife, Carrie Williams. Hold on. I don't know anything about his first wife. Couldn't find any information. Wasn't he just like 14 two seconds ago? Yes, but he also, I said, over the next 14 years, he worked the railroads. So we've Uh, jumped a little bit. mm, Okay. He was born in 1897, I think. Yes, and this is now 1920. So he is 23. And he's had two Two wives? wives. Yes. The first one might have passed away. I don't know. But I mean, he's been working full time since he was 14. So he's... He's a man. He's an adult. He's a full... He's not a normal 23-year-old. No, his brain just fully developed. (laughs) I don't care how talented he thinks he is. (laughs) How mature. Okay. So in 1920, Jimmy married his second wife, Carrie Williams, and they had a daughter in 1921 and a second daughter in 1923. Money was tight, and they learned to live pretty frugally. In 1924, at the age of 27, Jimmy contracted tuberculosis and almost died when a lung hemorrhaged. Wow. Yeah. He missed so much work because of his health that he was eventually fired. This that was makes sense. Yeah, because like even when he was... Before labor unions and stuff. Yeah, and even before, like after he was recovered from the tb if you can ever actually recover from that he like his lungs were still an issue and working on the railroad with all that smoke and all that wasn't good like he just kept having asthma and couldn't really handle it so he just like even after the initial illness he had to keep taking off more and more work to like recover from little things he needs fmla (laughs) this was around the end of world war one and jobs were hard to come by especially for an uneducated man in ill health but this let him work more on developing his first love, entertainment. During this time, Jimmy tried a few different things. For a while, he performed in blackface as part of a minstrel or vaudeville show, but quit that pretty quickly because he found it tiresome. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> really exhausting to be a cultural appropriation yeah. and, 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 and insult. My brain hurts. <laughs> He joined his sister-in-law performing in something called a dance combo, though I'm not quite sure what that is. It's he a duet of dances. Okay. I don't know. I mean, that's we'll go with that. Literally, this is just always me pulling stuff out of my ass. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll go with it. I'm fine with that. Uh, he, would perf- he would perform in tent shows on street corners and even took his own show on the road. He traveled his show all around the southeast before his tent was destroyed by a cyclone. Oh my goodness, he can just steal his sister-in-law's sheets. sheets. 
Jimmy, prob- Jimmy, probably feeling a little desperate at this point, tried a few more times to work on the railroads. He tried a line in Florida, but his health was too bad for it, and then he moved to Arizona where he thought the dry heat would be better on his lungs. No. No. Yeah, I think he was just thinking it was too humid in the southeast, so maybe like drier air would be better. I don't know. Whatever. It was a theory. But that job lasted less than a year, and he was back in Meridian in 1927. Later that year, he relocated his family to Asheville, North Carolina. This sucks. Really know like why, he's not old. Poor thing. Hmm? He's how around will, our age. How will he provide? He's trying, but what, we'll get there. Whatever shall he do? Asheville's first radio station had just gone on air in 1927. And a few months after starting, Jimmy performed with a guy named, oh boy, Otis Huykendall. Huykendall. K-U-Y-K-E-N-D-A-L-L. I don't know. We'll call him Otis. I like Otis. A few months later, Jimmy recruited a band from Bristol, Tennessee called the Teneva Ramblers to be his backing band, and they earned a weekly time slot on the radio show as Jimmy Rogers Entertainers. What was their name? They're the house band. Yeah. One review in the Asheville Times said, quote, Jimmy Rogers, spelled J-A-J-I-M-M-Y, so not correctly, Jimmy Rogers and his entertainers managed with a type of music quite different than the station's usual material, but a kind that finds a cordial reception from a large audience. They're not super happy about it, but they're cordial. It's fine. Another columnist said, quote, whoever that fellow is, he either is a winner or he is going to be, end quote. So that one was a little bit more. They actually have a stance. Yeah. Here is a song by the Teneva Ramblers, but I think this is after they split from Jimmy. I don't know if they ever actually like recorded anything together, but this will give you a sense of what the band behind him sounded like and the kind of music that they were typically playing. You ready to hear from the Teneva Ramblers? I've never been more ready. Well, that's true because you didn't know they existed. This is called The Longest Train I Ever Saw. That guy's my favorite. That goofy bald dude in the back. They look so happy. He looks like a <laughs> This doesn't sound like Jimmy singing, but I can't be sure. I don't know Jimmy Rogers all that well. Well, it sounds pretty bad. If this was Jimmy, it was very early career Jimmy. It doesn't sound like it. This is really bad. <laughs> Okay, well, that was the Teneva Ramblers. You need like a lot of moonshine to be able to <laughs> handle that. Or just grow up with it. No, that <laughs> might make it worse. <laughs> Jimmy Rogers entertainers traveled around the South playing in tent shows and at resorts for a while. They started to make a little bit of a name for themselves along the East Coast. In late July of 1927, some of Jimmy's bandmates got word that a man from the Victor Talking Machine Company named Ralph Pierre was setting up in their hometown of Bristol to record some of the area's musicians. Yeah, in the local hat shop. Yep. The hat building. The they hat all de- building. They all decided that they needed to go and audition. They made the trip to Bristol and passed the audition. Ralph agreed to record them the next day. That night, they got into a bit of an argument about how they would be billed on the recordings. 
I guess the Teneva Ramblers didn't want to be known as the Jimmy Rogers Entertainers. So this argument led to Jimmy saying, quote, All right, I'll just sing one myself. And the band had officially split up. That's a great time to do it. <laughs> yeah, right before the biggest opportunity of your careers. So Jimmy recorded as a soloist with a guitar. Pierre recorded two songs from him, most notably a track called a, most notably a track called Sleep Baby Sleep. He Did was I listen to that one last week? We we listened to one. I don't know if it was this one. We'll listen to one. Um, but Jimmy received a hundred dollars for the recordings and was sent on his way. Here is Sleep Baby Sleep anyway, so we'll see if we did listen to it. I'm not sure this one. Oh, maybe we did. Is this the perfect picture? Definitely. But I like him way better than the Tuneva Ramblers. That's all we'll listen to it since we did it last week, too. The records were released a few months later in October and saw moderate success, especially the song we just heard, Sleep Baby Sleep. These songs led to Victor signing him to a recording contract and bringing him to New Jersey to record at their official studio. Four recordings would make it out of these sessions, most notably one called Tia's for Texas. When it was released, the song was called Blue Yodel and sold half a million copies, taking Jimmy's career to superstardom. What? I said, wow. Oh. But then I had to sniffle. <laughs> Jimmy's income went from basically $0 to almost $2,000 per month. Pretty excited about six that months. for him. Yeah. And it led to Jimmy being called America's Blue Yodeler. It was such a massive song, Jimmy probably could have retired on it alone but he kept recording and kept playing shows. Between 1928 and 1933, he would record 110 songs for Victor in five years. That's insane. It's like, how many songs out a year? 20? 25. 20. That's a lot. You want to hear Blue Yodel? I do want to hear Blue Yodel. Also known as T is for Texas. I really want to know how this got in Okay, that's my <laughs> answer. Look at little Jimmy Rogers. This sounds like a song that, that I like. And by right, I mean just sing it when I'm bored. You would ad-lib? Yeah. This is a, this is a Mika freestyle. I'm going to start yodeling at you. Oh no, this is the worst. Please don't do that. I'm totally going to. <laughs> Call out on the balcony and I'll just pop my head out and start yodeling to you. I don't know how you So it's going to really? be worse. <laughs> Never would have known. Shut up. It just means I have to practice. And listen to a whole bunch of Jimmy Rogers. Oh, not worth it. And listen to that Mason Ramsey, the little kid, the Walmart yodel. Oh, I love him. <laughs> we would watch his video signation. That's, that was there was a good one. Well, that was Blue Yodel or Tia's for Texas, massive song for Jimmy. I liked it. 
at the same time, I didn't like it that much. <laughs> In 1929, Jimmy appeared in a movie called The Singing Brakeman. Because he was a brakeman! Yeah. It was a very short film that basically just featured Jimmy singing three songs as a railroad brakeman. Like, dressed like one. That's adorable. There was very little plot to this movie. (laughs) More like a concert film. This is the only appearance of Jimmy Rogers on film, which is rare for a recording star of his era. You want to see a scene of him in that movie? Yes. I want to watch the whole thing. Are the little eyes over... Are the dots over his eyes a heart? They're triangles. Oh, I thought they were little hearts. That's Jimmy. I'm also going to start saying that whenever you do the coffee. That's the girl. That's the girl. This is the railroad eating house. Play my favorite song, Jimmy. All right, what do you want to hear? That old song, Waiting for a Train? Uh-huh, that's it. All right. Very impressive. He's made a train whistle with his mouth, and I actually am very impressed. that we're at a point in music history now where we can watch them perform instead of just like still images of someone. Still images of someone in blackface and it looks yeah. terrifying. <laughs> like an actual monster. <laughs> that was Jimmy Rogers in his movie The Singing Breakman. Over the next few years, as well as recording a bunch, Jimmy toured widely in the South and hopped on a few vaudeville circuits. He and his family eventually moved to Kerrville, Texas, Seeking a dry, hot climate for Jimmy's health. Tears for Texas. <laughs> Yo, lay-hee-hoo. <laughs> Spot on. Yep, I know. This led to him being really closely tied to Western cowboy style of country music and influencing people like Gene Autry, who was probably the biggest Western country style singer ever. Do you know Gene Autry at all? Minorly. Okay, we might talk about him. Might not. We'll see. In 1930... Jimmy had the chance to sing a song called Blue Yodel Number 9. Why does he just name all of his songs Blue Yodel? <laughs> I don't know, but this is probably the record label wanting to capitalize on the success of Blue Yodel. And there's marketability in it because it's a familiar name now. Anyway. Yeah, but I would get really bored if I kept seeing the same titled song come out <laughs> over and over yeah. and over again. But for this one, he was accompanied by a young Louis Armstrong. Oh, that's fun. And Louis's wife on the piano. And here's Blue Yodel number nine. Oh, this one's my favorite. Or wait, was it number seven? I can't remember. 
And right, that's we're... why you don't name songs the same thing nine times. <laughs> I would guess this would be your favorite because Louie and I didn't mean no harm. Along come a police oh, to me by the arm. It was down in Memphis. I just love how Louie I'll play with anyone. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care what you play. I don't care who you are. I'm, I'm just going to play. You'll have to tell me your name. Big boy, you'll have to tell me your name. I said you will find my name on the tail of my shirt. I'm a Tennessee hustler. I don't have to wait. All right, well, that was Blue Yodel number nine with Louis Armstrong. In 1932, Jimmy tried to do more recordings, but it was clear that his tuberculosis was getting the better of, better of him. And these recordings would be some of the last recordings he ever made. But he had a weekly radio show in San, San Antonio, Texas, that he would continue to do. In May of 1933, Jimmy traveled to New York to record some more songs after being released from the hospital, but he only made it through four in the first take before he had to take a bit of a rest. After a day's rest, he came back to the studio and tried to record while, like, sitting down to try and, like, help him. But that didn't work either, and he retreated back to his hotel for even more rest. A few days later, he came back to the studio, and the engineer hired a couple of musicians to take some of the load off of him. The last song he recording, recorded during that session was a song called Years Ago. He, re- he recorded it just like he started, only him with a guitar. It was the last song he would ever record. 36 hours later, he would pass away from tuberculosis. Here is Years Ago. That is my favorite thus far. I was happy, <laughs> oh so happy, down in Mississippi way. I was living with my pappy 15 years ago today. When I left him in the gloaming, I recall I heard him say, you'll be sorry that you're roaming 15 years ago today. It's pretty impressive as well, so it's still very strong. Good for Mike. That's impressive as crap. That was his last recording ever few like a day and a half before he died jimmy was known for his distinct yodel sound that no one really knows where it came from the mountains some say it was adapted from field haulers others say it was a thing he picked up in minstrelsy and some say it was jimmy trying to copy a train whistle which apparently he did really well yeah i think that we know that he can do that and yodeling is definitely different but i think (laughs) the the theory is that like when he was 13 and on trains he heard the train whistle and he was like trying to mimic it with his voice and then he just kind of stumbled upon this yodeling and he was like oh that's kind of cool and then just kind of it grew from there yeah but train whistles are one note and yodels are like (laughs) 
jump in between different notes. Yeah. And so I kind of think that's a BS Probably. theory. But whatever, it was revolutionary and completely unheard of before he started doing it. He's probably been doing that train trick for a while. Probably. The one where he actually does sound like yeah. a train whistle. Like that he probably was doing when he was 13. It could get, I can see it getting really annoying actually. <laughs> a lot of the hillbilly music before him sounded a lot alike and he was like completely different, like refreshingly different. Most of his songs were written by him with a few different collaborators, most notably his sister-in-law, Elsie. Same sister-in-law that donated Probably. her sheets? Probably. Oh, we stand Against Elsie. her will. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also cool that, like, if you remember the Carter family, I don't think they did a whole lot of songwriting. Like, they did some, but mostly they adapted previously written songs. He wrote most of his stuff, which is kind of cool. He's now known as the father of country music. Jimmy was the first person inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame when it was established in 1961. He is also in the Rock, Blues, Songwriter, and Grammy Hall of Fames. So pretty much every Hall of Fame he's eligible to be in, he is in it. He is the only entertainer to be in every single one of those. He was also the first entertainer to be given his own commemorative stamp. <laughs> Blue Yodel number nine was chosen as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Great artists like Gene Autry, Hank Snow, Ernest Tubb, Hank Williams, Lefty Frizzle, <laughs> Ramblin' Jack Elliott, Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, Bob Dylan, and Elton John, along with many others, all recorded tributes to Jimmy Rogers. Left Frizzle? <laughs> Lefty Frizzle. Lefty Frizzle. Yeah, but also Elton John, so your circle of life fits. <laughs> it's all It's connected. the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy was always known as a man of the people and maintained friendships with his old pals and bandmates until his death. He was also famous for his generosity and willingness to give impromptu performances and hang out with his fans. At the time of his death, he accounted for 10% of Victor's record sales in their history. He was a really big deal, but he had such a short life, and that is all we have on him. What a cutie. Yeah. I How like you him. Do you like Jimmy? Yeah. Do you like him more than the Carter family? Mm, Carter family's music is better. He sounds, I don't know, the, the sisters are so cool. Who would you rather be friends with, Maybell Carter? Maybell. Or Jimmy Rogers? Maybell. <laughs> Maybell. Maybell was cool. She'd let you go live with her in Florida for a bit. Maybell. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Carter's cool, though. He spells his name wrong. You said Jimmy Carter again. Okay. I'm sure Jimmy Carter's a cool dude as well. Really? <laughs> I think he's still alive, right? I don't know. I think he's like the oldest living former president. Is he cool, though? He does a whole lot with the Habitat for Humanity. I know that. Interesting. That's I didn't basically know. I all know I know nothing. about him. I literally know nothing. He's 95 years old. Uh. He was born in 1924. Yeah, I mean, he seems all right. I don't know. I don't know why. He, he was or urging people to please wear a mask recently, according to Google. So hmm. there's that. So anyway. he's not an idiot. <laughs> Maybe anyway. a controversial thing to say. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Well, that's Jimmy Rogers. I really like Jimmy Carter. I think he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about race records, which is a little bit of a tough subject. 
It's an unfortunately necessary subject, and it's one that bridged the gap between some stuff, which is kind of cool. It's cool that it bridged the gap, but it's unfortunate that it had to. But then it allows us to talk about Mamie Smith. He's very cool, and I'm excited to talk about her. Haven't we talked about Mamie Smith? We've touched on her, but she was in, like, we could have either talked about her with the blues, but I wanted to talk about Robert Johnson. We could have talked about her in, like, jazz, I guess, but I wanted to talk about Ella Fitzgerald instead. So, so Mamie is like C team. Well, Mamie is known as I think she's known as the Empress of the Blues. Whatever. But yeah, she's she's cool. She's and I'm not excited even like B team. No. <laughs> I am excited that we have the chance to talk about her. So that's Jimmy Rogers. Do you have any closing remarks? Don't be stupid, wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a crowded place. Or in your home, just sitting on your couch watching TV. Or in your car, because that's something that I love seeing. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm I'm not kidding, but I am. All right. Well, that is our show. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll have another episode next week. (laughs) Standing on the corner, I didn't mean no harm. Alone. Police, he took me by.